0: Hello and welcome to the World Dreamer Podcast, where we take popular stories and settings and turn them into tabletop RPGs. My name is Matt, and today we'll be delving into the world of Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, welcome to the spooky Halloween episode in late May or early June. Ooh! I thought about doing something like this as, like, a Halloween episode, but then, uh, you know, things kind of got in the way, and that didn't end up happening.
1: Yeah, Halloween got in the way.
2: Listen, Halloween is relevant all year round, so why not?
0: Welcome to World Dreamer. We've got a couple of special guests, one of which brand new for the first time on the show, except for the one incident. Jenna, Jenna, how are you doing?
2: Hi. I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to finally be on. Because you you didn't include me in the mystery campaign one, even though uh, I was I was part of that campaign. But it's fine. No feelings were hurt, and I'm here now.
0: I just figured I didn't know... If you you were still getting used to RPGs, then I didn't want to put you on the spot. But I think you have more experience now.
2: It was definitely for the best. I think uh, I'm just I'm just joshing with you.
0: Well, we're happy to have you on now, and returning friend from this season and last. Nick, Nick, how's it going?
1: It's going pretty good. I guess I I don't have anything to say other than it's it's great to be back. You
0: know. Well, it's great to have you back. And uh, what are we back to talk about but hit film, Cabin in the Woods? Normally, I would ask here, like, what's your experience with X? But there probably isn't much more to say than, oh, we've seen the movie. But what I will say, just to sort of preface this, because I feel like Cabin in the Woods will also just lean into sort of a general horror RPG. So I will pose this question. What are y'all's preferences when it comes to horror? Like, what do you like? in a horror film.
2: Well, you know me, I love James Wan. I'm not a body horror person. I do not like gore, which is a bit ironic because James Wan did create Saw. So basically anything but Saw that's James Wan. So like jump scares, I really like cheesy horror. And I like campy horror, like Scream too.
0: It's also funny that you say uh, you don't like body horror and yet I think you very much like malignant, which I would argue is pretty heavily body horror.
2: I do like malignant. It's also a bit campy.
0: That's fair.
2: Nick, how about
0: you?
1: Yeah, I I love body horror, opposite of Jenna. So that is a good exploration in horror, I feel, because it's terrifying and creepy and disgusting. All the things I want out of horror. I also like a a good... A good ring. That's a good movie.
0: I've yet to see the ring, but I I know I'll like it, so I need to get around to it at some point. Seven days. As for me, I guess to put my thumb on the scale, I too am a big fan of body horror. I actually don't like Saw. I did watch Saw and was kind of creeped out by it in a bad way. I like my horror, honestly, the farther away from something human, the better. I'm a big fan of cosmic horror. I love creatures. I'm a big fan of creatures and monsters and whatnot.
2: So like Alien? You would like Alien?
0: I do like Alien. Like like Spores? Spores? Sure. Why not Spores? Get a little Last of Us in there. Oh, that's not what I meant by Spores.
1: <laughs> I meant Spore the video game. Oh. Ooh, yeah.
0: Yeah. The, I, I guess that... No, I I feel like I'm justified in thinking spores initially. I feel like spores are a trope in several horror things. They're in Last of Us. They're in Silent Hill.
2: Airborne disease. Yeah.
0: They're in real life. They're in real life. And they're coming for you. Watch out. But I'll also pose the question, why are we talking about Cabin in the Woods? Why do we like it so much and uh, why do we want to turn it into an RPG, maybe outside the reach of something like D&D?
2: Well, I mean, I just think Cabin in the Woods did a very good job of being self-contained and a good story while also being a great spoof of horror movies. I, I, I've i said this before to you, Matt, it's similar to Scream and in, in that kind of way that I think it's a good layer of comedy, especially jumping from the perspective of the people controlling it to the people experiencing it. And I think it's got a great twist. I, I mean, I, spoilers for Cabin in the Woods, I guess, this whole episode, but the stoner coming back, I remember when I first watched Cabin in the Woods, I was like, Wah! What? And and it was so it was so fun when uh when we all watched it together and when Nick said, Oh, I, I wanted to see more of that guy <laughs> And then there was Marty. Yeah, if you're
0: if you're going into this uh, episode hoping there'll be no spoilers for Cabin in the Woods, uh, you've got another thing coming.
2: Twenty fourteen man, watch it already. But but I just think it's it, it was really clever having that outside perspective too of the people controlling it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And talking about that outside control, I feel like that does bring, if you choose to include that in in your own RPG, the outside perspective, some kind of puppet master type of deal, which I don't think necessarily has to be a DM role, could be a player role. I think that's some interesting ground that could be covered that would be quite separate from from D, &D.
0: yeah jumping in directly off that i want to go into the idea of character creation because you had pitched this idea to me before nick the idea of being both the survivors and the controllers do you have any more specific thoughts on that i'm curious as to how that would work and then if that were the case sort of what the role of the dm would be
1: okay so there's this game that came out sometime in the past called the last guardian praised sequel of shadow was it
0: praised i've heard mixed reviews uh
1: yeah but there's something about the fact that the trico the little dude he doesn't really listen to you a hundred percent of the time and because i'm a slight masochist i find that really interesting and i think that's what a dm would probably do within the situation where they are technically playing the monster's but the players are playing the teens and the dudes in the office where uh they roll for like the the effects of the pheromones or whatever, and the DM gets the control based on the role what the actually like the actual output and what these monsters do on the stage. interesting.
0: so would this be a competitive RPG? are different players playing the controllers and the teens, or
1: um. Well, I, I gotta say when I when I first came up with the idea, I, I did think of it as you're just playing both. But it could be interesting a competitive RPG where uh, it might do well with big groups, which is not maybe not the best thing for a tabletop RPG, but plenty of people have run eight people in a in a room. I have. Did I have fun? Yeah, kind of, maybe.
0: I think that that is what could make it interesting is the fact that a lot of tabletop rpgs aren't built for large groups of people and maybe this one could be
2: yeah like i was gonna say don't some systems have two dms it could even be a thing where if it was too much people there could be a dm for the players and one for the controllers but even not i do think competitive would be really cool like just having like yeah pit pit against each other trying to control them and make them die while trying while the other tries to survive and i think it would also be cool if there was this like this kind of meter of the like demons within the earth because you know the whole point of cabin in the woods is like to satiate the great ones and so i think it would be really fun if there was like this great ones threat outside and like if the survivors get too far the game ends that way or something like that i don't know
0: No, I I think that could work, because there are kind of systems that have elements of that. There are a couple D&D modules that have that. I believe there's something like that in both Blades of the Dark and Morkborg.
1: Yeah, Clocks.
0: I think that could be an interesting thing to incorporate here. Still on the subject of character building. So, in my mind, the distinction between the survivors is pretty clear, where you have your, like, five roles that are laid out in the movie— and those could probably... Those might not even necessarily be classes so much as... What if the, like, five roles are the stats? Yeah.
1: Ooh, okay. Actually, I really do like that idea. Because I was a little iffy with staying towards the archetype... The the archetype as classes kind of ideal. But the roles as stats sounds really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I think they blend pretty well. Because you have your athlete for, like, physical stuff. The... I think they... Do they call it the scholar?
2: Yeah, something like that.
0: The smart one for the smart stuff. Uh, Charisma for
2: the sexy one. Uh.
0: <laughs> probably like a a wisdom type thing for... The fool? The the virgin, I was going to say. Or maybe the virgin is more of the supernatural stat, like interacting with supernatural stuff, and then the fool is actually wisdom.
2: I was even thinking for the virgin, the virgin would just kind of be like kind of milk toast like standard because the virgin within it kind of is this wishy-washy role of like, oh the virgin could live as long as it's the last one.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think of it as a stat.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I do like the idea of the the fool as like a, a wisdom. deduction kind of a deal because marty in the movie deduces everything
2: yeah well i mean i also think it them working as stats makes sense because the the movie even explains they purposefully like beforehand like chemically increase or decrease certain inhibitions and skills so i do think stats makes the most sense but also I'm right now thinking about that scene in the movie where they're like ah Japan lost, you know, and it shows that monitor with all the other countries on it and like Japan's was like a group of schoolgirls. And so it doesn't seem like other countries follow the same rules America does unless there's like a slut 6-year-old <laughs> out there. I don't know, maybe there is. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> what what I think it is is it's probably playing off
0: specific japanese horror stereotypes because america and japan are probably the two biggest like horror movie industries out there but their brands of horror movie tend to be very different so each country probably plays on the stereotypes of its own country
2: oh totally but i just mean like it could be flexible in that way too you know where it's like it doesn't necessarily need to be these five archetypes but i guess we're building an rpg it's just easier to just stick to one
0: yeah i would say so and then if the
2: controllers are separate things would they
0: have i think it'd be funny if they in a way had the same stats because they're sort of just as like culpable except they're like using them for different things and i also think some of like the traps and pheromone stuff would be funny if some of them have the drawbacks of they like can inadvertently increase stats that end up being helpful
2: yeah for the the survivors yeah yeah that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could also be cool if like some of these like increases, yeah, like if they if they increase a certain chemical in the room to make someone dumber if those have side effects that maybe they're not aware about that affect the player.
0: Yeah, cuz they had tried to lace Marty's weed with something beforehand, but it just ended up making him more aware.
2: Yeah, the weed was too strong. It wasn't working,
1: which we obviously don't know anything about. <laughs> we don't know anything about weed,
0: yeah. Yeah, this is a sober zone here.
2: Yeah. Well, but I think I think this game for that reason, uh the fool just always has to be plastered. Uh <laughs> Yeah,
0: probably. In in some way shape or form.
2: <laughs> it's like if you're playing the fool, you're also playing a drinking game, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh.
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: I guess, uh, speaking of stats, because I actually really like the idea of the five archetypes as the stats, but sort of going off that, do we have thoughts on what the sort of dice system should look like? I see this possibly being like a percentile type system. At least that's how I like to run horror stuff.
1: I mean, technically, Matt, all dice are percentile.
0: Uh, You know what I mean. The, The D100. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think 2D10s is a very powerful system.
0: Yeah, especially with the idea of the DM just being the monsters and sort of making responses based on roles. I think the D100 will give a lot more to work with than if it was just like 2D6.
2: Could you explain to me a little bit about what that all means? I'm still uh, a little unsure. So what does like percentile stuff mean compared to, I guess, other systems?
0: So... Percentile is 2 d10, which is also sometimes referred to as the d100. 1d10 has the first number, and then the the second d10 has the second number. So if the first one was a 9, the second one was a 2, you get a 92. It will give you a hundred different options and give you like more flexibility to say, you succeed, but with X major or minor drawback, or you fail with maybe some room for bringing it back, as opposed to the Powered by the Apocalypse style 2D6, which is either failure, mixed success, success.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, n- knowing that, I-, I would agree that the-, the D100, I think, is the way to go, especially because there are, in Cabin of the Woods, so many options of what could happen, and like, can't really do that much with this but I think having the d100 just kind of have one way to bring in that like massive scale element into it with more possibilities
0: I will also say this is more of a my personal thoughts on the storytelling note as opposed to an actual mechanic thing but I don't think the controllers should know what the monster is going to be going in I think they should have to figure out how to adapt to it after it is revealed.
2: Well, yeah, I think it should be like the movie. I think it would even be fun if they could vote. <laughs> like like in the movie where they gamble.
0: <laughs> That'd be interesting if like, the controllers could place a bet beforehand, and if they're right, they might get a bonus to controlling it
2: yeah yeah i think that could be cool
0: insert gambling into this system
2: yeah (laughs) i love gambling
0: (laughs) let's feed the addiction it's the soul of america
2: but yeah i think i i I totally i totally agree that they shouldn't know beforehand and and their way of picking is maybe they get to roll the dice but well i think you should roll a,
0: the dice and have like items in wherever it is and then sort of like the movie it's the survivors choosing for themselves because i i always love that idea
2: yeah okay yeah so how would that work
1: i feel like instead of making it quite obvious they have to go into a basement Hide it, hide it from the players. Make them unaware that they are activating it. Because if you're gonna sit down and be like, "All, all right, we're gonna do a cabin of the woods," they're gonna be like, "All right, where's the basement?" and they're gonna quickly pick up the whatever monster they want. You know.
0: I guess that's true.
1: And and then with that, maybe if the the player characters, the 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 teens had a uh, their own goal outside of uh, surviving.
0: Oh yeah, that's like an alternate win condition type thing
1: yeah yeah so so that they don't necessarily just jump for uh the monsters right away or so they're doing it and then all of a sudden they run into a, uh the thing that activates the first monster
0: yeah it's it's what keeps them in the area
1: yeah it's the tasks from a mogus
0: <laughs> i was just thinking that there's a a film called don't breathe A film I really liked until a really weird twist at the end, where it's essentially a slasher movie, but the reason they stay in the house, because they can in theory leave, is they're extremely poor and trying to, like, rob this place for money. So, like, though there's this guy hunting them, they can't leave until they get enough to like sell off and survive
2: oh okay yeah well I was gonna say that probably all depends on whatever specific setting you want to play it in because it doesn't have to be a cabin in the woods the movie is just cabin in the woods it could theoretically be anywhere
1: yes yeah The cabin doesn't have to be in the woods it could be in in the Walmart you know
2: <laughs> Walmart in the
0: woods <laughs> Uh, The infinite Ikea. Yes, yes. But uh, kind of speaking of, you know, dealing with some of these monsters, I guess I want to ask, I asked a similar question when we did the SCP episode, but I'll ask it again. How do you make combat engaging and enjoyable around an opponent you know you can't just beat head on?
1: Now... Some of these i I feel like you can beat head on, so it's 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 a it's a monster to monster kind of dealio for the the Japanese one, obviously they can't just fist fight a a ghost or a spirit or uh, whatever that was.
0: they had to do some manner of ritual, I believe, yes,
1: but the zombies they fought them they they kind of ripped them up and took them on one on one,
0: but they did keep coming back,
1: yeah. So it's it's kind of like the the father from uh, Resident Evil 7 kind of deal
0: or the father from Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh you know, how do you make mechanics of like, you know, essentially figuring out weaknesses or running away or hiding more engaging than kind of just saying that? Or it or does it even need that and it's just sort of like making these guys strong enough that doing anything has enough tension to carry it?
2: I'm trying to think because I don't know. I kind of like the system you had set up in your Haunted haunted Halls campaign, where it's like you can find clues and discover weaknesses, which they kind of do in the movie. I mean, she reads that diary. And in that diary, I remember upon rewatching it, I remember thinking, oh, and here is how they can also solve the problem. I don't remember what that was, but. <laughs> But I don't know. I think if combat especially kind of turns into, like, a study session, like, you can buff yourself up to fight these guys. But maybe also in fighting, you can discover and uncover weaknesses they can- they have for, like, I don't know. Yeah, if there's a ritual or something that needs to happen to help get rid of them.
0: I also think part of the trick here is going to be providing a lot of solutions for... Because I think the controllers are probably going to have have one solution, but it's going to be the easiest to achieve, where a lot of the solutions for the survivors might not be obvious on first glance, so I think there should be several to make sure they have options.
2: Yeah, because the survivors are going to be at a disadvantage of really not knowing. The controllers, at least... I think I think the controller should have a little profile on each of the monsters. Like, maybe they get access once the monster has been picked to, like, how it basically works.
1: They have, like, a little player manual of, like, how monsters work and what kind of things they can do that is good to them so it's like keep talking and no one explodes where someone has a manual and they're flipping through them
2: yeah
0: i i think it's also comparable to uh betrayal at house on the hill because that has pretty pretty solid explanations for how each of the monsters work
2: yeah and maybe certain actions they can do like, certain ways they can influence these monsters and use them.
0: Yeah, the DM can provide options. It's just the question of, will they work?
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because at the end of the day, these monsters are free, and everything needs to happen naturally. Because that's one thing they really keep pushing in, in the in the movie, is that these things need to happen on their own.
1: Yeah, they can't just kidnap a bunch of young people and just shoot them in the back of a car, you know?
0: Yeah, it used to be simpler, but tis no longer I've tried looping back to the idea of we mentioned like a meter for like the elder gods what type of stuff do you think like makes that go up and down because uh in the movie they mentioned that it needs to be a good story it needs to be cinematic so I imagine like very cinematic moments or whatnot could make the meter like go down and then the controllers kind of win if they hit a certain level of like they're satisfied. But uh what would make it go up?
2: Well, I was that that is really smart I was thinking it could even be time-based because you are right Matt they do talk about it needing to be a good story for them to be satisfied but they also say it needs to happen by a certain time so I was thinking if it was ultimately timed maybe but I think it could be interesting if there are factors that can speed up this time increase the meter or decrease the meter, maybe give you more time. Like, if it is a really good story going on, maybe that gives the players a little extra time to figure stuff out. Or maybe if nothing's happening, or if they just keep dying. I think if someone dies, that shouldn't increase the meter, because that's ultimately what these gods want. Shouldn't that technically decrease the meter because the gods are satisfied? Oh, no, yes, you're right. Sorry, I misspoke.
1: And also they They really specified the virgin has to die last. So the DM could like set up an order that would be preferred.
2: The virgin doesn't have to die last. The virgin doesn't have to die if she's last. So, If the virgin is not the last, the virgin can die at any time. It's just if they happen to be the last person standing, they don't have to die. They're optional. I thought they did imply if she died, she had to die last. Did they?
0: I did think that might have been the implication.
2: I thought they were saying like, oh, I thought they didn't have to die if they're the last person. I thought that's what they're saying, but I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to take another look at that. You're probably right. Because
0: I think it'd be interesting, like if the virgin dies not last, that being like a huge increase of the meter.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that could be the, the challenge for the controllers as well is getting people to die in the right order, you know, and maybe that order can change every time so that it's not like because if you know the movie, you could just play and be like, oh, let's make sure we save you because you can't because you have to die first and we don't want you to die. You know, I think it could be interesting if like
0: in the setup phase, like the DM is observing the story that the survivors are creating and then when the monster is revealed at that moment they give the order
2: yeah I think that would be cool and then the controllers trying to because I I think that would be really nice because this whole time sitting through this I'm like how would this be engaging to the people who are playing the controllers besides trying to get people to die but I think if they had the added challenge of trying to get them to die in a specific order I think that would be really fun
0: and I think also, like, during the sort of survivor establishment and setup phase, like, there was stuff, like, they needed to set up beforehand that if they failed to do, they might have to rush to do after the monster is revealed.
2: Yeah, yeah, to make up for, for what they fucked up.
1: I also want to bring up the idea of how do we make, make it engaging when the goal is to kill players? When your character dies, how, how do you have fun after that?
0: Perhaps if a player dies, they could be sort of moved over to the controllers or given control of one of the monsters.
2: I think given control over monsters would be fun. And I do also like making them a controller. I think that just depends on how many people you start out with. So maybe if you have like six players, one of them is a control person. And then as people die, they switch over.
0: Yeah. Whereas if you have more people, it could be you just giving them control of the monsters.
2: Yeah.
1: I really actually I disagree with giving control over to the monsters because that's decreasing the DM's fun as well because that's all they're going to be doing. Uh, I guess not all, but that's their goal. And even if you're dead, you as a dead player still have some motivation in how you want these monsters to react. I guess that's true
2: so I think then if it's a bigger group of people this is another thing why I'm saying being timed might be good because if it's like you are on a certain amount of time if you do die at least you're not going to be sitting there dead for the rest of the campaign and it's going to be like a super long campaign you know but I think I think dead players becoming controllers would be the best option. My only fear with that is then we should start with less controllers and more players because I don't think it's fair to really overwhelm the the players with like, say, maybe five against two or something. I mean, it ultimately would become that, which makes sense because as there's less people, it's going to get harder to survive. But depending early on, you know... I think it could be a bit unbalanced.
1: And if we start out with, like, less controllers, only so many, uh, it could be, like, a a TARDIS situation where there's, like, 50 buttons you need to press in certain orders. So at the start, the controller's job is really hard. But then as these people are dying, they get more and more hands-on to to, to work this machine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Yeah, that's about most of what i wanted to cover was just sort of combining all those is there anything else either the two of you want to bring up for discussion
2: yeah i don't think i have any other thoughts
0: i think i'm good all right awesome well thank you both so much for joining me do either of you have anything you want to plug publicly i don't know if you're working on anything that public or
2: uh, not, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think I got, got anything.
1: If you want to go to my house, my address is, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vis- visit, Nick live and in person and he'll give you all of his money. All of it. All two cents
2: of it.
1: And if I'm not there, yeah, so you just, the door's not locked. So you just need to go in. My laptop should be right there and that should be enough money for you.
2: You could take the cat too. No. Take the cat. Uh, take, <laughs> a a, cat. take a sibling. <laughs> yeah. Take the house. You know what? Just take uh, the house. I mean,
0: I, I, I got one home, so. What what? Just whatever looks best to you at that moment, just take it and go.
2: You know what? If Nick is even there, just take Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Just take him.
0: Well, thank you once again, and happy Halloween in May
2: and or June. Ooh. Unless you're listening to this in October. Ooh.
0: Thank you for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please continue listening to us on the platform of your choice and recommend the podcast to other people you know. In addition, consider following us on Instagram at the.world.dreamer. If you have a suggestion for an episode you'd like to see, DM me on Instagram or send an email to the email in the description below. This has been Matt. I hope you have a good day.